I have the distinct pleasure to uh, to introduce our our guest speaker this morning, um, and I, I it's distinct, it really is. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to, I want to tell you just a little story that should brighten your morning, and it'll yeah. Anyway, so um, Pastor Cable and I have known each other for quite some time now, and uh, about it's probably about oh man, I'm trying to think of how long ago it must it must have been now eight years. Because I think I, I've, I've been out of youth ministry now for, for like six or seven. Anyway, we had this big invite night and, uh, we had invited Pastor Caleb to come in. He'd been uh, a friend of mine for a number of years and we had, I mean, it was at the time, you know, when everything was going on. How many of you, okay, how many of you know that youth ministry is messy? The youth ministry is messy, okay? Like, you know, when you've got, when you've got so many people coming in the, you know, in the building that don't know Jesus, they've never been in church before, like things get messy, okay? And, uh, so I, uh, during this invite night, we had Pastor Caleb in and he was, he was kind of over here worshiping with, um, he brought a, brought an intern fellow with him and, and, uh, you know, of course it's kind of dark, you know, the lights are down, we're all praising and it's crazy. And there's 120, 130 students there. It's just, it's wild. I think everything is going incredible, right? I mean, people are really engaged, and all the while, turns out, over in this general area, there was like a guy and his girlfriend just like making out. <laughs> like they—they'd never been to church before. They didn't realize it's like you don't make out during worship, you know. And uh, and and Caleb didn't really know many of my leaders, and so he—he's like looking around for somebody with a badge or something. We we weren't sophisticated enough to have badges yet, and. So he didn't see any leaders, so he and, he and his buddy KJ, they rock, paper, scissored for who was going to go talk to the couple. Caleb lost, so he had to go talk to the couple. It gets better, guys. It gets better. So he goes over, and of course, it's, it's pretty loud. I mean, youth, youth worship tends to be like, you know, blow your ears out loud, right? And Caleb's like, hey, is she okay? Does she need CPR? And the guy looks at him like, oh, no, you know, like he's trying to play it off. And Caleb's like, you know, seriously, though, man, like we, we don't make out in church. <laughs> That's where you are. In case you didn't know, this is church. And the guy looks at him like, like, like it's the most like it like it's the most logical thing in the world. Right. And he says, bro, she's moving tomorrow. And Caleb just kind of laughs at him. And by the way, I didn't see this from the platform. He told me this later at McDonald's. And so, like, I'm just sitting there mortified as my guest speaker is basically telling me, dude, this is one of the worst things that happened, right? And, but I, I tell that story say, you know, one of the things I love about this man of God is he's always had my back. You know, he's, we've been, we've been friends for a number of years, but Caleb's always a guy that when I'm going through it, when I'm dealing with some things, he's always a guy that I know I can talk to. I know I can call and he's always available for me. So can you get up on your feet? Can we, can we give pastor Caleb Thomason a hand as he comes up this morning? Oh my goodness. My goodness. You can be seated in the house of the Lord. My goodness. So good to be with you. I absolutely uh, I'm going to say it. Don't tell the other churches, but you guys are one of my favorites. <laughs> okay. I just absolutely love coming here. It's such a privilege. And, and, uh, if I didn't get invited, I'd still come and just love to be a part of what God's doing here. It's so just unique. I know you feel it and, uh, I just hope you never get used to it. Okay. Don't ever get used to it. Cause when we start getting used to things, we start neglecting things and, and that's always bad. And, and all the, all the men who are happily married in the room say amen. Cause that, 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 
applies to a multiplicity of things in life. And, and I do want to encourage you with this because I, I spoke this weekend with some of the men getting to hang out with them. And I found in a recurring theme of people that had recently moved here. And they just kind of, well, and everybody had a cool God story. Only a couple of them was for work. Some of them just like, just kind of felt like they had to move here. And some people don't know why they're here. They're just here. And, and, uh, after we came back, I was spending some time with Joel and Lindsay and, and I was talking with Joel and I said, and I, I said this to him, I go, you know, I haven't prayed about it yet, but I'm going to start kind of saying what I'm sensing and I'm going to pray about it later. And, uh, and I, sure enough, when I was in, in my bed last night, I was asking the Lord, cause everywhere I go, I always like to kind of give a word in season, ask God, God, what are you speaking to the house? And, um, I began to say, and God confirmed it last night that your season of hiddenness is over house of the Lord. What I mean by that is this, God, there's a uniqueness and a treasure that you are as a church. And uh, God God takes things that he treasures and, and often kind of has them in, in hidden seasons. And sometimes they're through things called singleness and different things like that where God matures us. And there's just moments and seasons and and uh, I, 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 there's something about it. God is God is kind of pulled off. I don't know how to say it. It's just like God is revealing it. And whenever God does something like that, you have no idea that your the stretch of your beam of light and where it goes and God is impacting and touching the hearts of people from all kinds of places to begin to come here and I was sitting in my bed last night and I heard this expression come just kind of come to my spirit and it was God's kind of funny I literally heard it in a British accent (laughs) and uh and and the uh, the Lord said this is the last stop this is the last stop. This is the, and it reminded me of the one the last time as I was in England that there's a terminal point to every subway that you get on. So they say this is the final destination right here. And where Newport and Old Town, and I'll say you, House of the Lord, has made, this area has kind of been just a, a cross through as people go to vacation and they go up to Priest Lake and they get groceries here. God says it's not going to be a stopover. It's going to be a stopping place. God's sovereignly drawing people here. And I want you to know that. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. I have to tell you this. Don't start rebuking what God is ordaining. Where are these people coming from? They're buying all our property and all that. Don't you think God's bigger than that? God is sovereignly drawing them. And they're doing, no, you don't know anything about, don't start cursing something that God is ordaining because God is sovereignly drawing. That's why they don't know why they're here. That's why they're pre, they're pre-Christian. They're coming for a great move and awakening and welcome them with open arms. So if you like small and comfortable, I'm sorry those days are gone because God is doing something in the earth. And uh, really, I think just such a huge part is what God's done here and what God's building here. And you have some of the most amazing pastors in the world. I had this thought about pastors. Yes, 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 yes. We might we might just spend the whole service talking about these guys. And I just love them so much. Um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time around uh, youth pastors and, and youth leaders. And, and uh, whenever I'm impressed by a young leader like I am, Stephen and Lisa Alcar, I just cherish you guys. I love you guys so much. You're the real deal. You really are. You're the real deal. Um, whenever I'm really impressed by young leaders, I often ask the question, can you introduce me to the person that's discipling you? Because when I'm really impressed with a young leader, I know that it was just not of their own doing. 
And it's one thing to be good leaders like Jeff and Robbie, pastors Jeff and Robbie Eklund are. But it's something different to build good leaders. And there's people that are coming, and a lot of reasons why they're coming is they're, they need fathered and mothered. And they need, um, they need to be led in that way, and they're just going to be drawn. And you guys are those people. And I, I just, I saw you up here. <laughs> what I love about Pastor Robbie is she's the perfect hugging height. <laughs> she just, she fits for just, you know, my little Hispanic frame. She just fits right in the crook of my, and it's just perfect, you know. It's just like... <laughs> And um, I saw you when you were doing announcements, and I just was like, kind of reminded, I'm like, she's just like the sweetest thing, right? You know? And uh, I just heard this phrase, Mighty Mouse. It used to be my favorite, one of my favorite cartoons when I was little, but um, I, want, I want you guys to know this. The Lord just kind of showed me in the spirit, you are nowhere near your, I'm going to guess, five foot frame or whatever it is. You are massive in the spirit. You're just a giant in the spirit. You have built, you are just, yes, yes, yes. You know it. You know what I'm talking about. And that just doesn't happen overnight. You know, I didn't, I didn't get like this overnight. I mean, <laughs> took work. But no, anyway. But you carved it out and you made a way. And I heard so many awesome testimonies from our people that came to Bloom. And I know that's because you just years ago, you're like, when you guys were laying, you know, down prayers for this church, we're going to have mighty men of God. We're going to have great women of God. And you just set that. Thank you for not setting it shallow. But even when it was hard, you set it really deep and you kept it in there. And I think so, there's great fruitfulness season of your guys' life is ahead. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if you feel like you don't have another book in you or not, but I feel like you got more books in you. Some of them are going to be, you've got to, you got to, there's such great leadership in you guys. It's just, it's like effortless for you. And Pastor Jeff gave one word of wisdom this last week that I've, I've, I've instituted two of the three times. He said, you know, I just talking about being healthy leaders, whatever. And he's like, I now work out before I preach. So I was working out at men's camp before I preached, shirt off, looking like a dork. I did it this morning at Danny Ann's bed and breakfast on a creaky wood floor. Everybody's like, what's that dude doing? You know, it sounds like he's wrestling a bear. It's just, there's just wisdom. I think you're going to actually either write a book or kind of like some kind of manual or something like that that, to equip young leaders because there's so much wisdom on you guys. I'm so thankful for this house. I'm so grateful for what you guys are. And I want to speak, uh, I, I just, I want to encourage Linz, um, cause I, I often, I just, Lindsay, you're such a treasure. You're the real deal. It's like, <clears throat> you, you're a multiplier. You, it's like you're a megaphone. What's crazy is you're, you're not a megaphone for yourself. You're a megaphone for other people. And you're so cherished in the heart of God for that. Because she celebrates people like crazy. I watched the way you celebrate your kids and your husband. And Joel Eklund would not be really any of the man that he is without you. You guys are in this together. It is Joel and Lindsay Eklund. I honor you. You're such a great friend. You're so amazing. Oh, I love this church. I said this earlier. I go, I just, maybe I just come back and we can just prophesy. So now I got to preach and I'm going to preach as, probably as fast as I possibly can. Um, 
God's on the move. I don't know if you know that or not. God is at work in the earth. Amen. And I want to encourage you today with something that I believe God has been stirring me with. But I just I just have a feeling God's stirring you as well. I think there's some things that are transpiring right now that I'm not the only one that is aware of them. But in case you aren't aware of them, God is doing something in the earth right now, the likes of which uh, I honestly believe no generation ever before, no matter how many times they thought they were seeing what they were seeing. I think we're seeing something that is unique. I'm talking, I love one of my favorite things, Pastor Jeff, is to talk to people like Pastor Lon Stokes, who's just a great mentor in my life, who just turned 70, and I'm asking these great men of God that have walked with the Lord for a long time, seen a lot of things in their 70s and 80s, and I'm asking them, what you, what God is doing as a result of this last year, these last 15 months, is it just me, or in your lifetime, have you seen anything like this? And here's these great men and women of God that I honor and respect say, I have lived through a lot. I've been through wars. I've been through all kinds of stuff. I've seen it all. And I've seen movements, Jesus, people movement, all that kind of stuff. I'm not, I have never seen what I'm seeing right now. And I want that to get in your spirit today, even if you're just kind of right now just audibly listening to me. That's okay. Just let the Spirit of God bypass your ears and let me get it into your gut because I want you to be a part of what I believe is the greatest move of God that will transpire in the earth. And if you will just step away from the news long enough, You'll sense and see what God is doing. That God is literally bringing prodigals home in amounts and in ways that we all are. The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has for those that love Him. God's answering prayers and He's just, He's microwaving things right now. It's coming at a speed that's absolutely crazy. I see just this, this, uh, slave mentality that we've had in worship where we're trying to perform to get God's attention. Friend, you can't get God's attention. You already have it. You were his focus and his fixation when he went to the cross. Hebrews says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. What was the joy? It was you and I. I'm telling you, God is so set on his people that he's doing something right now on the earth and he's just quickening things. And I want you to be awake to it. Turn to your and say, wake up. I want you to be aware of it because I don't want you to. God is in a readying. He's like, it's like he's calling in the troops right now. And so much of what transpired this weekend, I feel like it was a strong way in that, that God's doing something in families. And here's why I want God to speak it into your gut. Because I came on assignment by the Holy Spirit to do this. In the same way you haven't eaten for a long time and you get really hungry, I came to provoke a hunger for the Lord in your heart. Because there's been too much that has taken... Joe preached such a phenomenal message at camp where he talked about the, the death by distraction is what he called it. There's been so many things that have been vying for your attention. And God right now is snapping his fingers and saying, hey, 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 hey. No, no, no. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. You know, my kids, when we take them places and, I, <laughs> and if I want to keep focus, like Costco with little kids. <sighs> Jesus, help me. But I've started to do this thing with my boys when I when they kind of lose attention or whatever. I'll grab their face. You ever do that with your kids? You grab their face. Look at me. Just look at me. We don't grab everything we walk by, okay? <laughs> and I make a mantra out of it. Thomasons don't grab everything that we walk by. I've never said that before in my life, but now I just made a family mantra out of it, right? 
But I'm like, if I'm really trying to, because I'll say, hey, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And then pretty soon I'm like, look at me. Hey, 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 look at me. And I feel right now God's doing that by his grace and his goodness saying, hey, 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 look at me, look at me, look at me. Don't look at that. I know what they're saying. I know, no, 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 no. It doesn't, it doesn't matter about those, the poll results. It doesn't matter about certain things. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. No, 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 no. Look at me. I'm doing something in the earth. And this last year, God began to speak to me and talked about, just spoke to me and he said, the the church abroad, we're in a, a time where God is inviting and revealing. We're in a, we're in a season of invitation and revelation. And today I just want to briefly, I'm going to kind of zoom through it, but I'm going to get you, get in your gut what God wants to get in your gut and encourage some people today. But I want, I want you to know this. God is a clarion call from heaven right now to lean in. And if the church will lean in, the, the, the people that will succeed in this season are the ones that will learn to lean in despite the distractions, despite the circumstances, and despite the situations that they're facing. Can I get an amen? amen. So I want to encourage you with that. I want to just read a, a, a verse that just, to me, has just so stood out in my heart these last, uh, this last year, really. It's been such a reminder to God's goodness. Psalm 27, verse 8, says this. The psalmist writing, it says, You have said, being God, you have said, seek my face. And my heart says, your face I will seek. There's something to be said for responsiveness to God. And friend, if there's anything we walk away with today, it's that that would be, I'll tell you right now, God's saying, seek my face. And I want you to go home today or go out and bless a local business. I love that. I've never been at a church ever before that's done that. I think that's so cool. You go out and bless somebody. That's an amazing Mexican food. Wasn't it a place that yesterday? Yeah. Mama, what? Mama Sanchez. Lord, Mama Sanchez. God bless her. If she doesn't know you, she's as close to heaven with that food as she can be. Pull her in, Lord. If you're going out to eat, I want there to be something in you where you're saying, your face I will seek. Let's pray really quick. Jesus, we ask that you'd be here. We already know you're here. Would you make yourself in greater extent that we walk out of here different than when we walked in? In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. You know, I, uh, this verse, I'll, I'll read to you really quick. Psalm 73 says, but as for me... How good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you have done. I love what the writer Asaph is writing about here. He's talking about it is a good thing. It is a beneficial thing for me to be close to God, to be in proximity to God. Friends, there I don't want to be found any other place in my life. And I I know this might sound kind of cliche to say it, but I just, at least in my young life, I really mean this. Right now, I do not want to be found any other place. Like now more than ever, I don't want to be found in any other place and caught up in so many other things. I want to be found right in the presence of God. Hey, where's Caleb? I don't know. Go find the presence and that's where he's hanging out. This last year, I think the enemy worked of your soul worked overtime to get us distracted by so many things. And we fought battles that we were never called to fight. I was disturbed at my own heart, the pull to come out of the prayer closet and get onto social media and start fighting battles that the Bible, the the Bible is very clear. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
And yet I wanted so bad to just start yelling at people. And God's like, no, 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 no. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Right? I want to be found in the presence of God. Because here's what I've found about the presence of God. The presence of God provides three things. I'm just going to say them really quickly. Number one, they provide protection. Asaph's talking about this being found in the, in who God is. Psalm 91 is the, the, we call it the protection psalm. It talks about all that comes from being in the power of God or in the, under the hand of God, because that's where the power of God is. Friend, the safest place you can find yourself is in the presence of God. Second thing is that it provides provision. I love these verses. I got to get them in your soul today because Asaph is talking about all the wonderful things that he's experiencing. And he says, all these things, I'm experiencing them firsthand. I'm going to tell of all these wonderful things. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Second Peter one, three, check out Psalm 34 verse 10. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Philippians 4.19, I love this one. I say this one, man, I speak this over finances. I speak it over every so many situations. But my God is able, and by the way, he's well able to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What I love is God has it well under control, friends. So guess what? If he's the source of everything, what do you need today? He's the answer. Do you need some hope? The Bible says he's the source of all hope. Do you feel just lonely and discontented? Guess what? The Bible says he doesn't manifest, not just manifest love. He is love. Do you need peace? He's the prince of peace. Do you need breakthrough? He's the God of Perez. He is that God that you're serving. Are you with me today? And lastly, this, we need to get close to him because proximity provides perspective. You know, in 2020, the Lord was really clear to me in the beginning of the year because all this stuff's happened. I'm like, God, what are you doing in the earth? And he's like, son, you have an opportunity to see this as either an obstacle or an opportunity. It can either be a setback or it can be a setup. And then he was really clear to me. God speaks to me in alliteration, helps me remember it. And he said, but your closeness to me will determine what you see. See, when you get close to God, you get heaven's perspective. And hell worked overtime this last year to get us to forget. Friends, help me for a moment. Just, do you know where you're going? It's a good question to answer, by the way. We're giving an opportunity. If you don't know where you're going, I'll tell you where you need to get going. We'll give you an opportunity to respond. But... For those of us in the room who have made a commitment to love Jesus, your destination is heaven. And I just want you to know this. There is no such thing as anxiety in heaven. There's not, it's not resonant there. There's things that we describe here on earth that are man-made definitions. I'm so glad that God is Lord over them, but I want you to know that if you could get a snapshot of heaven right now, Jesus has not chewed his fingernails down to the bone. He knows what he's ha- he knows what's transpiring and he's just asking for his beloved. I love what Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 says, "Come up here and let me show you some things that must take place." What's he saying? Get up above all of this crud so you can get my perspective. And when you have my perspective, things that look really big are actually really small. Come on somebody. But how how you are, how your nearness to me will determine what you see. Another powerful thing about understanding our perspective, and I want to make sure you get this today, is that I want to, I want to make sure that I don't get deceived. 
And I feel like I have to say this, but I want to, I feel like I have to say what I just said, but I feel like I have to put an asterisk next to it and tell you this. This is not a political statement. This is not a political statement. Oh yeah, bro, there's deception all around the corner. No, 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 no. I don't want to be the person that's deceived or distracted by anything, be it a personal circumstance or an external movement, anything. It is not a political statement. I'm saying I want to be the person that's so close to God that I can discern and not be deceived. I can discern what is the will of God and what the voice of God is. You know, my son uh, recently came to me. Uh, they were here this morning, and my wife's right here. She's, I miss them. That, the worst thing about men's camp is you don't get to snuggle your wife at night. So I haven't seen my wife in a couple of days. I love you, baby. <laughs> Sorry. Just having a moment. <laughs> if you're single, close your eyes. <laughs> and my son came to me. It was like 7 in the morning. He's like, Dad, can I have some candy? Mom said I could. It's like, son, let me tell you, let me give you the Romans road. Jesus went on the cross for your sins. So you can, I told him, I looked at him and I go, no. And I didn't need to go into ask, hey, babe, did you say he could have candy? Because we say all the time in our house, no, you know, no candy before breakfast or whatever. Then I was like, I looked at him and I was like, no, I know your mom did not say you could have candy. Why? Because I'm close to his mom. And so I know, I know how she sees things. And friends, when you get close to God, you know what he's going to say and you know what he's going to speak to and you know what his voice sounds like and you know what it doesn't sound like. That way you're not led astray by every wind of doctrine is what Bible talks about. I want to be set and focused on him. Amen. Amen. So I want to give us how, so that's the benefits. Can I give you how to cultivate it? And I want to go to a scripture in Leviticus. We're going to go old school. Somebody say old school. school. We're going to go to Leviticus. It's the one that when it comes up in your Bible reading plan, you go, oh oh my goodness. But I'm telling you, there are some nuggy nugs in these verses. Okay. (laughs) Leviticus chapter six. We're just going to read them just really quickly. Leviticus chapter six, starting with verse eight. Then the Lord said to Moses, give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the burnt offering. The burnt offering must be left on top of the altar until the next morning. And the fire on the altar must kept be burning all night. Skip down to verse 12. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning all night. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will put fresh wood to the fire. I want to say to the guys that made it this this weekend, boys, no living off of leftovers. What God did this weekend was great, but there's no Uncle Rico's in the kingdom of heaven. Well, I remember back at there's fresh wood that God had laid aside when you woke up this morning, boys. Pick it up and put it on the fire. Okay. Each morning they'll add fresh wood and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Remember, check this out, in a span of five or six verses, this is the third time now he said this, remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. So I want to answer this, I, this, how do we respond to the invitation, the leaning in, the drawing close? First thing you have to do is you got to prioritize it. I know that's like, But we, our culture will give us an innumerable amount of things to put before our relationship with Jesus. 
an innumerable amount of things. And it will also give us justifiable reasons to tell our pastors. Friend, I'm telling you, you want to be a good husband? You'll put Jesus first. You want to be a good dad? You'll put Jesus first. The best thing you can do as a dad and as a leader and as a mom and as a wife is you will find time to get with Jesus. Is you will get in his presence and prioritizing him. This is something that they had to do every morning and every night. Friend, this idea of what God's doing and in, in, in stewarding this flame, because this whole story is about, it's a, an analogy for us that the priesthood, that's us, that we're Aaron, we're the priests. And this fire that we have is this flame that God has put on the inside of us and that we need to cultivate that thing. And it starts by us prioritizing it. The simplicity of putting him first. Friends, God should not be an afterthought he should be the first thought come on somebody we're really good at genie in the bottle kind of Jesus he's just there and we access him when we need him friend I'm telling you right now he is my best friend I love him so much he is my best friend it's one of my favorite things oftentimes before I I preach I'll say can I spend a few minutes if it's all right and can I talk to you about my best friend and they think I'm probably going to talk you know for the next whatever chunk of time about my wife and I'm like can I tell you about my best friend he's my absolute best friend his name's Holy Spirit he knows everything about me he thinks I'm cool and even in the midst of my own stupidity he loves me and we just have the best relationship friend we have to understand that if we're going to be a part of what God's doing we got to be cultivating and prioritizing our time with Jesus you know I recently um was looking I was buying something and uh I had looked uh, I went online and I tried to look at all these places to try and find this certain item and I'll forego the story and uh, But I'll just tell you this part. I finally found it after like three months of looking for this specific thing. I found it in this this little place in the west side of Washington. And I called them and I said, hey, do you have one of these? And Yeah, we do. And I was like, can you ship it to me? And they're sure, it's going to cost you. And I'm like, whatever, I've been looking for it for a while. And so they sent it to the post office and they send me a tracking. And I think it was on a Monday, they sent me a tracking notification. I opened it up and it said that it wouldn't get to me till like later in the week. And it was so funny because even though I had ordered it and I knew it wasn't going to be there till later in the week, I'll be darned if those first couple of days I didn't find myself opening up and refreshing the UPS or the USPS app, you know, and I'm like getting all frustrated and I'm like, it's still at the original post office it started at. It hasn't even got on a truck yet. Don't they know who I am? (laughs) I'm friends with Joel Eklund. That's what I maybe need to call him back and say, do you know who Joel Eklund is? That's what I thought. Get the governor on the phone. He knows who Joel is. Send that thing faster. <laughs> and even though I wasn't going to be there till a few days later, I kept, I found myself at one point, I was like kind of checking almost every hour. And it's so interesting how the spirit man on the inside of you that really longs for God will kind of speak to your, your mind and the fleshly part of you. And he said this to me. Hey man, when was the last time we did that about encountering God? Come on, guys, we wait with bated breath for the new optic to come for our firearms with bated breath. And we're like, come on, optics planet. How come you can't ship it quicker? When was the last time we waited with the same kind of bated breath every morning saying, God, I need to get a package from you. Here I am, arms out. I need the strength that I need for the day to lead my business, to lead my family, to lead my community. We got to prioritize them. Second thing is we got to stoke the fire. Now, I grew up. I grew up around wood heat, so 
<laughs> I don't know if you know it, but I'm a bit of a professional when it comes to fire. <laughs> I know you already know that. Anyway, I grew up around wood heat, so I know a little thing about it. And my dad, my dad had this thing. He was a really nice guy, so I don't want to make him sound militant. But my dad was a bit of a stickler. Um, he wanted his thing was that he didn't. Once he started a fire, like in the winter, he never wanted, his goal was to never use paper again. So it was like, so he, they would go to bed at a reasonable hour, right? And, uh, and I would stay up and my dad would always say, hey, you're in charge of the fire. And I knew that it meant that I gotta, I gotta build that thing right so that my dad wakes up in the morning, all he's gotta do is roll, turn some coals over and just throw a few more logs in there. It was like matches, no, matches, those are for losers, right? Once we start a fire, we just keep it going, right? And so I learned the intention that it takes, man. I'm like, I'm like, I can close my eyes and play with a draft on a fireplace. I'm just like, oh, 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 oh. perfect, right? I know what it takes to keep that thing going. The intention that it takes to it, the amount of intention and leaning in that goes into it. Friends, here's what I'm trying to tell you. I believe what God's doing, God's trying to get the same kind of intentionality and leaning in when it comes to this fire on the inside and say, you need to care for that thing. You need to stoke that thing. Because it causes a singular. It's interesting what a singularity and focus will cause us to do. Think about this, parents. When one of your kids gets hurt, do you say, hold on a second. I know it's uh, that's quite a bit of blood, but hold on. The, the eggs are almost done, right? It's like, hold, the dryer's probably going to go off in about five minutes. Just stop screaming for five minutes, and then you can start screaming again. It doesn't happen that way, right? In fact, have you ever seen the face of a parent who's like something like that? I've seen people just come running through a park before, and I've literally thought to myself, something's wrong. Because the intentionality that you have in their face when they're set onto something. It, it's amazing what a singularity and focus will cause us to do. And God's grabbing faces right now and saying, I want that same kind of intentionality. And my wife, she follows uh, on Instagram some of these people that are they're minimalists. Have you heard about these people? Have you heard about them? So un-American, it's not even funny. They only have one pair of shoes and they have like one pair of pants and they only have, you know, one whatever of everything and they live in a tiny house and everything's anti-more or whatever. And I'm just like, are you even, are you even an American? Because isn't the point of being an American to have so much stuff that you have to rent a second house called a storage unit to put your other stuff in? And then when you pass on to go be with Jesus, you're like, hey, here's all the things that really mean a lot to us. I hope there's nostalgia to them for you. And then they just have a massive yard sale. Like, isn't that what you do? It's being <laughs> What's interesting is that kind of American idea can make its way into God's people and into the church. And the older we get, we just, we start a man. I'll just, when we encounter the Lord, it was just all about Jesus. It's all we had. We didn't have strategy. We didn't have anything. We just got the Holy Ghost. And we're just like, the, there's broken people in the world. And as we get older, somehow we think we're maturing. And we start supplementing our walk with Jesus with so many other things. And we start building all this stuff. And I think one of the things that God did in 2020 is he went in and he started cleaning house. And some of you are nodding your head because you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was that COVID quarantine that you're like, oh, God, you want to deal with me? Oh, uh, I suddenly have something to do. I'm really busy now, you know. 
And God's like, yeah, because we just accumulate stuff. And But what it's done is it's taken our focus. And I believe God just started kind of pulling things out and saying, I'm going to do this because I want you to get you back to the simplicity of just following me. Somebody say amen. amen. So here's what I think it means. I want to say this really quickly. Here's what I think stoking the fire means. Just kind of a sub point. Number one, you got to be a self-feeder of your flame. If you'll notice, Aaron and the priests, they could not sub out the fire tending to somebody else. Friend, you cannot sub out. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today's Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit came in power on the earth. And it says he came, and this is what I find is interesting. He came and tongues of fire fell on them all. That means everybody got a flame. And Paul's encouragement to Timothy is, you got prayed for, Timothy. There's a flame on the inside of you. You have that thing. Now you fan that thing. You be a steward of that flame. Friend, I'll tell you this. If you're waiting for once a week on Sunday morning for somebody to feed you, and to feed your flame, you're missing out on the majority of the caloric intake that God has that your spirit man requires to be a part of the move of God in the earth. You have to be a self-feeder of your own flame. And I think one of the things that God did in the revealing, again, the revealing and the invitation, revelation invitation, as I think this last year, God revealed a bit of immaturity in the church. Is there somebody else... You feed me, you feed. And then we get frustrated when we leave that church because we weren't getting fed. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) If you're frustrated, send me an email. Jeff at H-O-T-L dot church. I don't have time to talk about it right now, but if you're frustrated and... I know what people mean when they say that, but here's what I'm saying. We can't allow consumerism to make its way in. Because I, I have this boy I mentioned, he's like four years old, and, and uh, he, to this day, we have to feed him probably 50% of the bites he takes for a meal. <laughs> and so I was having this conversation with him recently. I'm like, son, listen, when you were little, you didn't know how to put your hand to your mouth. But now you know what a thumb is. Now you know what your digits are. Now you know what a spoon is. And you're well able to put it from there to there. <laughs> it was what I was explaining to him. When you were little, you couldn't, you didn't know how to feed yourself. But now that you're older, you can feed yourself. <laughs> Friend, I'm telling you, we're maturing. We're growing up. We can, we can get wood for ourselves because God's got a well supply of it ready and able. I think the second part of that that I would say this, stoking the fire also means you got to keep it going in the sense that we got to learn to linger longer in the presence of God. One of the things God told me early in 2020 was he's restoring this old school word to his church. It's called tarrying. It's all throughout scripture. We just wait on the Lord and set ourselves and set ourselves before the Lord. We wait on the Lord. I'm telling you, when it comes to our perspective on this, it's got to shift to what scripture is. Psalm 27, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Friend, waiting is a part of walking with the Lord. <laughs> we live in a microwave world, but we serve a crockpot God. He's a God of process. He's a God of this God who just wants to get waiting into us. So we got to think drive in, not drive through. Last thing I, I want to say is this. 
You got to let it burn. Worship team, you can come. You can come back. It's the title of my message today. I had no idea when I sent Crystal the notes that a couple days later I looked on the calendar and the calendar said this was Pentecost Sunday. And I said, this is my title. It's called Let It Burn. I had no idea. But let's stand to our feet together because here's what I want to do. I want to communicate this to us. I think sometimes... We can get so consumed by stuff that we get distracted and we get off course and we miss things. When God is meant to be the one who consumes our lives. We can get so consumed. Hear what I'm saying. We can get so consumed with things that He can't be the one that He's supposed to be, which is an all-consuming fire. And what I watched this weekend, I know many of you weren't able to attend, but what I'll, what I'll say was awesome to see this weekend was to see of their own choosing, giving permission in a fresh way again for the fire of God to come on their life. All these men saying, God, let it burn. Here's a house. Here's an altar. Let that flame burn. But here's what I've learned, friends. It's a choosing. It's a choosing to say, God, would you do something in and through my life? Would you do something on and in my life? And God, I thank you that you're no respecter of persons and that you just want every one of us to take this flame that has been in and on our lives. And God, would you cause it to burn? So here's what I say to you. I came all the way from all water to tell you this, house of the Lord. Let it burn. Let it burn. Let it burn in such a way that people will come from all over the country to warm themselves by the fire that God is cultivating in and amongst this city. That's what the great revivalists would talk about, that, that people at the end of the day, they're fireflies. They're drawn to this, the, the light of the fire. And I say, let's let it burn. So I just wonder if right now this morning we can just maybe push off a little bit what maybe has been comfortable, a little bit what's been routine. Listen, mom, I know it's been hectic. I know it's been crazy. Those little munchkins running around everywhere and trying to do laundry and keep the house together. And you're like, man, I just, it's been chaotic. But can we create a moment right now in the midst of the chaos? And can we just push aside all of that stuff and say, God, I just... I'm going to fan the flame. That's what Paul said to Timothy. You fan the flame that's on the inside of you, buddy. You let it burn. So I just wonder, I know we sing worship before, but I just wonder if right now we can just begin to sing and that desperation that maybe was once there when you first gave your heart to Jesus, can you rediscover it? And right now, can you pour a little gasoline on the flame? God, we today we just come to you. God, we come to you and we just say, do whatever you want to do. But God, I just fan that flame right now. Come on, can you sing to him and say, God, whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, God. You're the only thing that we need, God. You're all that we need. You're all that we need. You're all that we need. Here goes routine. Here goes comfort. Here goes convenience. We said, God, we just want you. I fan my own flame today. I speak into your heart today, God. Oh, God, I, I don't want you to come through. I just want you to come. I don't want just your hand, God. I want your heart. I want the blesser more than I want the blessing. Hey. 
It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Less of me, God, more of you. Less of me, more of you. I'm sorry, God, that I've taken my eyes off. I make it all about you again. I write my fixation on you, God. It's just you. It's just you. It's just you. I wonder if we can do something in this moment. Can you just put a hand on your heart? I just feel like we got just got to be honest before the Lord. Just take a moment, just publicly repent. For God allowing to, to ourselves to be distracted and allowing complacency to settle in. Man, I just sense like there's, there's somebody in here that you just, you've actually recently longed, you've actually told yourself, man, I used to be so on fire for God. And you're frustrated at yourself. You're just like, man, what happened? I want to say this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's not pointing a finger at you. Frustrated. Here's all I say, friends. Today's a new day. Pour some more wood on that fire. Carve out. I got a crazy schedule, Caleb. I know, bro. 15 minutes, half hour. Set your day fresh early in the morning. Just with your hand on your heart, I just want to pray kind of collectively for this. Lord, we just, we corporately, we just repent for allowing all those things to come into our lives. And God, we say today, we're sorry. And I just want to believe for this house, it's just like a new watermark Sunday, just a new, a new watermark. We just say, God, we... We're going to shake off complacency and comfort, distractions, and fix our gaze afresh on you.